Before starting, I'm going to share with you the lyrics to one of my all-time favorite hymns. And anybody who hears me preach for any length of time knows that this was one of my favorite hymns because I'll figure out a way to incorporate it into a sermon at some point or another. And so here you have the opportunity to learn that fact after only two weeks. Last Sunday's first Advent and this one, the second Sunday of Advent. It's a hymn that was written by St. Andrew of Crete, either the late 600s or the early 700s. And the title of the hymn is Christian, Dost Thou See Them? And here are the lyrics. Christian, dost thou see them on the holy ground? How the powers of darkness rage thy steps around. Christian, up and smite them, counting gain but loss, in the strength that cometh by the holy cross. Christian, dost thou feel them? How they work within, striving, tempting, luring, Goading into sin, Christian, never tremble, never be downcast. Gird thee for the battle, watch and pray and fast. Christian, dost thou hear them, how they speak thee fair, always fast and vigil, always watch in prayer? Christian, answer boldly, while I breathe, I pray. Peace may, peace shall follow battle, night shall end in day. Hear the words of Jesus, O my servant true, thou art very weary, I was weary too. But that toil shall make thee someday all my own, and the end of sorrow shall be near my throne. I love this hymn because it affirms the reality that Christians are tempted, Christians suffer, Christians face all the challenges that the world throws at every other member of humanity. But Jesus promises that he is with us and we shall not suffer more than he did on our behalf. This hymn came to mind as I looked at our gospel passage for this morning, these realities of life also came to mind. When we face obstacles in our lives, when we face hardships in our lives, when we face turmoil and unrest, when we face uncertainties, we tend not to feel good. That not feeling good well, it can manifest in anger, that not feeling good can manifest in depression. That not feeling good can manifest in a general sense of malaise. And regardless of how the not feeling good comes out in any particular person, there is a commonly shared physical trait that comes with them. If a person is not feeling his or her best, there is a tendency to kind of slouch. And hang your head. To look at the ground. Whether it is an unwillingness to face others or an unwillingness to face the world around them, people who are feeling down look down. Down at the ground. 
in our gospel passage today from the gospel of Luke chapter 21 has Jesus telling his followers about the many situations that will come and will weigh heavy on people's hearts. Signs in the sun and the moon, stars and earth, nations in distress and perplexed, roaring seas, crashing waves, people who are so afraid of the future that they faint. It will seem as if even the power of the kingdom of heaven is shaken. And Jesus warns, do not respond with drunkenness or dissipation. And dissipation is not a word in the common vocabulary anymore. So just in case you are unaware, it means sexual misconduct, debauchery, decadence, intemperance, excess, overconsumption, pro, pro, can't even pronounce this one, profligacy, which we have to look that definition up. I'm sure it goes with all those other synonyms. Self-indulgence and wildness. Do not comfort yourself with these things. They do not bring true comfort. They only numb pain, and they don't actually numb the pain for more than a moment, but only that it returns even worse. Jesus instead says, remain faithful. Jesus promises the day of redemption is coming when he says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now we need to slow down a moment and ask what Jesus meant when he said this generation will not pass away until all of this has taken place. Quite honestly, I don't have an answer to that question. Theologians, Bible scholars argue over it all the time. Some try to explain it away, making it seem as if Jesus really wasn't talking about the generation at hand. Some try to make, uh, make it out that Jesus really didn't say the fullness of what he said. and kind of backpedal a little bit. None of the answers that are offered are really all that satisfactory. And as much as I would like to be, I'm not the person to give the be-all, end-all answer and correct all those who don't know the right answer. What I can do is help make sense of it, at least a little bit, in our own context. The first thing to know is that when Jesus told the people around him that they would see all these things within their generation, it really did happen. The people experienced persecution under multiple Caesars. The temple was dismantled stone by stone and desecrated. There was the Roman siege and mass suicide of the Jewish people in the fortress of Masada. We read in the various epistles of aberrant behavior, including drunkenness and sexual perversion, both among the people in general and even among those claiming to be Christians for which they were getting those letters of correction. Just as Jesus warned, the generation did not pass away until all of what he was predicting came to pass in those people's lives. But Jesus encourages them, straighten up, raise your head. Your redemption is coming near. No, they did not see Jesus approaching for the final redemption of all of humanity when corporately everything is made new. 
What the faithful did experience is their personal redemption. And that was what I'd like for us to focus on today. Because every generation has experienced what Jesus warned of. Over the last 100, excuse me, 1,980 years-ish, humanity has faced plagues, tyranny, wars, untold numbers of other events, causing reasons to fear for the future and want to drown one's sorrows and fears and drinks and drugs and dissipation. When Caesar Nero lit the city streets by turning Christians into human torches, the people certainly saw reason to despair. When the Muslims conquered nearly all of Europe in their demonic, bloodthirsty quest for world domination, the people certainly saw reason for despair. When the Black Death ravaged Europe, the people certainly saw reason for despair. When our own nation was nearly ripped in two by a very uncivil war, the people certainly had reason for despair. When over a million men were wounded and killed in the month-long, ongoing, unrelenting Battle of the Somme in the First World War, to where the soldiers in either side of the trenches could only see piles of bodies so high they could no longer see the defenses on the other side of no man's land. The people certainly saw reason for despair. In fact, the World War I was so devastatingly brutal, the number one view of end times at that time, the eschatological view of that time, which was called post-millennialism, that the world was going to continue to get better and better and better, and this usher in the kingdom of God was completely reversed by the leading theologians of the day. It was so devastatingly brutal that it changed theology worldwide. We move into our modern age and we see that it has not stopped. World War II brought atomic warfare, giving birth to the nuclear arms race and a cold war in which many people despaired. When in response to what appeared to them to be a corrupt system of government, an entire generation of youth dropped out, got high, launched the sexual revolution, and people despaired. Today we continue to face troubled politics, world wars around the world, natural disasters, renewed Islamic aggression, diseases that multiply as fast or faster than the medicines can keep up, drug and alcohol addictions, and dissipations, remember, also known as sexual perversions, that exist unlike any that have been known before because now technology and medical capabilities make possible what was once impossible. There is reason, there are multiple reasons, to despair. Tempting to be downcast. Shall we be downcast? Shall we sloop and slouch and hang our heads in the face of the hardships and challenges? Or shall we do what Jesus commands us? Straighten up. Lift your heads. We may not be alive for the day of the final redemption when Jesus appears in the heavens and sends forth his angels to the four corners of the world to call 
his people to himself. But we are assured and we will know our personal day of redemption for each one of us that is drawing near. And until that day, we can sing with Andrew of Crete. No matter how the powers of darkness rage and step around, we can up and smite them. We can count gain but loss in the strength that comes from the Holy Cross. When we feel them, how we have them striving against us, how they are tempting us into sin, we can take strength from Christ. Never tremble. Never be downcast. Be girded for the battle. Watch and pray and fast. When we hear them, when they goad, when they speak in those pretty whispers, speak thee fair, always fast and vigil, always watch in prayer, we can indeed answer boldly, while I breathe, I pray. Peace shall follow battle, and night shall end in day. Because, just like it was said 1,980-ish years ago, Jesus to his disciples and all those gathered round, your day of redemption is drawing near. And oh, my servant true, Thou art weary, I was weary too, but that toil shall make thee someday all my own, and the end of sorrow shall be near my throne. No matter what the challenge, no matter what the obstacle, no matter what the temptation, no matter what is going on around us, we are to straighten up, lift our heads, for it is Advent, and in Advent, We wait with confidence to see the Lord with the promise that we will be by His throne. Amen.